Halloween is a holiday with a dark past. It began with the Celtic festival of Samhain, which many people think is pronounced Samhain. On this day, people would wear elaborate costumes to ward off ghosts and hide from evil spirits. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st to be All Saints Day, and the evening before, October 31st, became known as All Hallows' Eve, which evolved into Halloween. Over time, Halloween became known as the night where kids and drunk teenagers dress up in costumes and trick-or-treat for candy. But when you disrespect Halloween and its traditions, something comes for you. A little demon named Sam who hunts down and punishes those who smash jack-o'-lanterns and fuck with children, among other things. Such is the case with the 2007 cult hit Trick or Treat, subject of today's episode. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And it's time for Filmgasm. The decorations are up, the movies are being watched, and there is spookiness in the air. We're deep in the heart of October now, and for episode 33, we're diving into a specially requested film from Filmgasm contributor Caleb Leger, Trick or Treat, an anthology film of sorts that shows a number of interwoven stories that occur on Halloween night and end shockingly in blood and irony. Before we get into it, I have some bad news. We will no longer be playing snippets of movie themes at the end of the show. Last week's Maximum Overdrive episode was copyright-stricken due to ACDC's Who Made Who playing at the end, and we do not want to take any more chances. Sorry, ACDC. Yeah. No harm intended. Yeah, no, we love you guys. We didn't, yeah, didn't mean that. We'll still have our badass intro music, and we're working on possibly getting an outro song made as well in the near future. So, yeah, no more movie music, but, you know, do that or lose the podcast. (laughs) Isn't it amazing that that's the first... I know that's the that's the one. That ACDC's was ACDC's like nah. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> oh boy, I love that. Sad. This month on Weird Shit Wednesday, we're diving into the career and life of horror icon Vincent Price, whoop, whoop. the man who took over the horror mantle from Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, and Lon Chaney Jr., and gave us such films as House of Wax, The Fly, The Last Man on Earth, and House on Haunted Hill. We'll dive into a selection of his most celebrated films and talk about how his legacy began and what it meant to the horror genre. Don't miss it. Time for the Rewind, where we dig into past episodes and look for updates. We've got a couple updates on our most recent bonus episode on Joker. First up, and this was hilarious, Jared Leto recently came out and said he felt, quote, alienated and upset when he learned that Warner Brothers was going forward with a solo Joker movie without him. In 2018, it had been announced that Leto would star in his own standalone film that was going to be billed as a spin-off to 2016's Suicide Squad. But due to the lukewarm reception from fans, <laughs> and that's putting it mildly, <laughs> Warner Brothers decided to go in a different direction that has paid off tremendously. Lukewarm. The balls. How, like, Jared Leto basically saying, like, how dare they? This is my character. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, uh, just stay away, and maybe people will forget you were ever the Joker in the first place. It's the hey, best you can hope for. Your band sucks, dude. Just stop. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> who is there anybody out there who was looking forward to the Jared Leto Joker movie? Anybody? Besides him? <laughs> Come on. Ugh. And then uh, another cool update for Joker. Joaquin Phoenix recently said in an interview for Popcorn with Peter Travers 
that he has spoken to Todd Phillips about whether there's any other avenues they could explore together with the Joker. In other words, Phoenix may be interested in doing a sequel, if he finds the material interesting and challenging enough to be worth his time. Was was Joker worth your time? I yeah. think I think Todd Phillips could make another movie. He could, but I don't want it to be a shameless cash grab, you know? No. Well, I think that's what Phoenix is like is saying. He's like I think there's a chance, but it would ha- it would it, it can't be a cash grab. You we can't do that. We have we have to maximize the potential and the what we just built with this movie that made all this money and people are you know, it's very critically acclaimed in some circles, so I don't know. I, I, of course, I'd be very much looking forward to it. I, I'm with you. I don't want it to be tainted. Yeah. I think it's a good, great standalone. But my gosh, can you imagine? We walk, flash forward like can you twenty imagine years. Walking fighting with a, yeah, with a, a Batman yeah. or a, yeah, any. I don't know. It'd be you so could cool. even show like the evolution of other villains in this universe. How like Riddler came about, or Penguin. Yes. How they came about in his During, anarchist yeah, reign th- throughout the eighties and nineties as uh, Bruce Wayne is starting to grow older. You would think by you would think by 1990 he's like 20 years old he's ready to start start doing some stuff you would think oh, yeah man. Whew. this it could be great <laughs> it could be yeah maybe, you know it could be all speculation and I, I think yeah. I think Joaquin is a guy who's going to jump on board only if it's right only if it's right yeah for for the fans and for himself and I wouldn't have it any other way because like we said on um on our when we did the Joker bonus you said uh, Joaquin doesn't do sequels no because uh, he's He's no, he's not gonna. He's, he's a purist. Yeah, he's he's a steady he's a steady guy about like what he wants to be in. Yeah, and what he wants to be remembered for. So yeah, he'd be very. He's gonna be picky. He is. Which is which is probably a good thing. I agree. <laughs> I got another update for you on Joker. Uh, Josh Brolin recently tweeted something about it, and uh, Austin would like to read that aloud on the podcast. So go ahead, man. Yeah, you know Josh Brolin, uh, Thanos. Uh, you know, huge name. Uh, in Hollywood and uh, a guy we both respect. Oh, yes. He said, To appreciate Joker, I believe you have to either have gone through something traumatic in your lifetime, and I believe most of us have, or understand some somewhere in your psyche what true compassion is, which usually comes from having gone through something traumatic, unfortunately. An example of dangerous compassion would be to, say, make a film made about the fragility of the human psyche and make it so raw, so brutal, so balletic, that by the time you leave the theater, you not only... Uh, sorry, hold on. You not only... Oh, that's a double uh, negative. Sorry. You not only don't want to hurt anything, but you desperately want an answer and a solution to the violence and mental health issues that have spun out of control around us. This film makes you hurt, and only in pain do we ever want to change. It's all in the irony of trauma. A fine line between the re- resentment of wanting to hurt society back for raping you, of a, le- of a decent life for not protecting you and accepting you, and what uh, feels like alienating feelings... With softening to those others who seem freakish in our... Ah, boy. <laughs> We're having some er- uh, issues here. Uh, sorry. In our era and digital damnation. Like kids in middle school. Man, they can be just so mean for no reason. And sometimes those awful little clicky kids bring evil in someone that rages much later. When everyone pretends we we're all back to normal. When we all thought it had just manned up and gone away. We have a habit of hating and ostracizing and dividing and sweeping our problems under the rug. Joker is simply lifting the rug and lift and looking underneath it. Nothing more, nothing less. It is there. Damn. Josh Brolin clearly very passionate about this film. Yeah. And uh, I agree, really. I mean, this is just shining a light on mental illness. It's always been there. For sure. 
Yeah, sorry, we had a... There's like a storm outside. Oh, yeah. The lights were flickering. It's kind of creepy we for a second. We got an eminent power surge at any moment here. <laughs> San Antonio, I don't know what's going on with the weather the past week, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, Josh Roland, thank you for sharing that. You know, that's uh, something that... Uh, when you have that... Uh, you're on a pedestal as an actor, you should use that... Yeah. ...for good and uh, share your thoughts about something. Uh, and nothing about it was negative. It was all... Here's just me shedding some light on why... You know, maybe... Maybe maybe this is why people are enjoying the movie, you know? Yeah. Because it does shed light on something that's not... <laughs> doesn't get enough attention, so... I agree. Really cool. Yeah, for sure. That's all for the rewind, but before we get into Trick or Treat, let's talk a bit about Halloween. All right. Where did it come from? Why do we celebrate it? Well, Halloween began as the Celtic Festival of Samhain almost 2,000 years ago in what is now modern-day Ireland. The day marked the end of the summer harvest and the beginning of winter, a time that was often associated with death. The Celts believe that on this day... The lines between the living world and the spirit world were blurred, allowing the dead to return to the earth. To commemorate the events of Samhain, the Druids, the Celtic, the, who were the Celtic priests, the Druids, would hold giant sacred bonfires, where the people burned crops and animals as sacrifices to the gods. During these bonfires, the Celts wore costumes. When the Romans conquered the Celts in 43 AD, they incorporated Samhain into their own religious ceremonies including the worshipping of Pomona, Roman goddess of fruit. Her symbol is an apple, and this may explain the tradition of bobbing for apples on Halloween, which I've never personally done. Have you bobbed for apples? I No, never have. Probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone who bobbed yeah, for apples yeah. either. So. Where am I going to go for this? Yeah. <laughs> By the 9th century, Christianity had spread to the Celtic lands, and it too influenced the festival of Samhain. Then, when the English colonists headed to the New World, they brought the constantly evolving holiday, now All, uh, All Hallows' Eve, with them. It started to become known as Halloween around this time, but it wasn't celebrated everywhere. It was more common in the southern colonies as opposed to the rigid, hyper-religious colonies of the north, like Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. We all remember the Salem Witch Trials. No one's celebrating Halloween up there. No. <laughs> Colonial Halloween began the tradition of, se- of telling ghost stories and playing pranks. In the second half of the 19th century, an influx of Irish immigrants due to the potato famine helped to popularize Halloween into a nationally celebrated holiday. Borrowing from European tradition... Wow. Oh, boy. I hope you can hear that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Big old thunderbolt out there. Jeez. Borrowing from European tradition, Americans began to dress in costume and go from door to door asking for food or money, a practice that became known as trick-or-treating. By the 1920s and 30s, Halloween had lost some of its luster thanks to religious groups who saw it as a satanic celebration. Probably the same guys who outlawed drinking. Wonderful people. (laughs) The best. (laughs) But many towns still celebrated Halloween with parades and such, and around this time, vandalism began to be associated with the holiday thanks to the attempted oppression. People were lashing out. By the 1950s, Halloween began to be aimed more towards children and the practice of trick-or-treating returned as an inexpensive way to bring the community together. Yeah, candy companies. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Candy companies. They just had a meeting, and they're like, hey, let's do this right. And we have never looked back. (laughs) As for the jack-o'-lantern, well, that comes from an Irish folktale. HistoryChannel.com has an article about it, and uh, here we go. It reads, The practice originated from an Irish myth about a man nicknamed Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. Cool. That's How do you yeah. do that? Yeah. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for the drink. So he convinced the devil 
to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Who was this dude inviting the devil out for a drink and then not paying? Like, wow. What a badass. Once the devil turned himself into a coin, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Wow, this guy really thought it out. Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. Dude, you are a terrible negotiator. Yeah, yeah. How about for life? How about don't ever come near me again? My God. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. Who is this stupid devil who keeps dealing with this guy? Yeah, which devil is this? What reality? Which devil? <laughs> this is awesome. While he was up He's in like, the tree... Ooh, piece well, of candy. <laughs> it's James Woods. Oh, my God. While the devil was in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so that the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for ten more years. This guy is playing fast and loose with fucking Satan himself, and it's kind of awesome. Oh, man. Soon after, Jack... He's trolling him. Yeah, he's trolling the devil. I want to keep you around, yeah. I can honestly say I've never been that bored. Soon after, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. He doesn't want to get tricked by this son of a bitch. Yeah, he's like, jeez. I saw you did. You made the devil's life hell. <laughs> the devil, upset by the trick Jack had played on him in keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then simply Jack-o'-lantern. In Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of Jack's lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips or potatoes and placing them into windows or near the doors to frighten away stingy Jack and other wandering evil spirits. In England, large beets are used. Immigrants from these countries brought the jack-o'-lantern tradition with them when they came to the United States, and they soon found that pumpkins, a fruit native to America, made perfect jack-o'-lanterns. And that's the gist of Halloween's origins, both in Celtic Ireland and in early America. And that is fucking fascinating. I love that Stingy Jack story. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. I want a movie about Stingy Jack hanging out with the devil. Just fucking with him the whole yeah. time. That's amazing. It's fantastic. <laughs> Stingy Jack needs to be Ricky Gervais. Yeah. If oh, they make that movie. Yes. I could totally see him just Who's the devil? Him. Who's the devil? That's a very good question. Oh. Right, Dave Grohl from Tenacious D. Same, same style. Oh my god. <laughs> so many awesome possibilities. Fantastic. Brian Cox. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that'd be great. So let's dig into the film, reason you're all here, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat was released in 2007 and was directed, uh, written and directed by Michael Doherty, who, who would go on to direct 2015's Krampus and 2019's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So pretty big step up from a yeah. movie that was not even released on, in theaters. Yeah. He also wrote X2, X-Men United, and Superman Returns. How do more people not know about this guy? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it kind of blew my mind how I didn't really know his name. You know, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Crazy. I've seen all of those movies. Yes, yeah, And I've never heard of this guy. Same. It's amazing. The film stars Dylan Baker, 
who you may remember as Dr. Kurt Connors, the man who would never become the lizard in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. I wish. He plays school principal Stephen Wilkins, who moonlights as a serial killer and is a super creepy fucking dude. Yes, he is. But crazy entertaining to watch. Extremely effective at the beginning of the film, too. You need a guy, like, super creepy guy that you, like, hate at the beginning. Very like, Ah, okay, I'm locked in. Fuck this guy. <laughs> oh, he's so... Oh, he's, like, frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he gets his, huh? Is the kid he kills... Is that Thurman Merman from Bad Santa? Yeah. Ooh, I think so. I mean, how many fat... Curly blonde kids can there be in Hollywood? I, he's in something else I've seen. I couldn't. <laughs> Let's find out. Thurman Merman. <laughs> I haven't seen Bad Santa in a long time. Uh, Oscar winner Anna Paquin plays Lori, a virgin out partying with her older sister and her friends, though their true intentions are far more sinister. Paquin won an Oscar when she was 11 years old for her performance in 1993's The Piano, which is pretty fucking admirable for an 11-year-old to win an Oscar. It was! It's Thurman Merman! <laughs> <laughs> Brett Kelly. That's the Brett kid's name. Brett Kelly. It's looking good these days. <laughs> eh. Nice jacket. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Brett Kelly. Nice to meet you. These days, Anna Paquin's well-known for her role as the mutant rogue in the original X-Men trilogy and for her role as Sookie Stackhouse on the HBO series True Blood, which ran from 2008 to 2014. <whistles> Badass Scottish thespian Brian Cox plays Mr. Krieg, a crotchety old prick and Sam's final victim of the night. Brian Cox is one of my favorite actors. He's, he's incredible. For me personally, he's best remembered as the sadistic William Stryker in 2003's X2 X-Men United. I like that. As well as films like Troy, Red Eye, The Escapist, Super Troopers, and the HBO series Succession. Oh, he is so good in Succession. He's he's the main reason I watch that show, for sure. Really like his bit in Zodiac, too. I forgot he was in Zodiac. Yeah, he's great. He's in a lot. He's in the Bourne, some of the Bourne movies. Yeah, he's he plays it. one of the early Treadstone guys in the first yeah. two. Treadstone! <laughs> check that, uh, y'all check that out, uh, on USA. Or don't. <laughs> Please don't. Can't wait! Maybe they'll yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah, seriously, leave that, just leave it alone. Leave that character alone. Let's but, move on. Dude, I loved him as Agamemnon in Troy. Such yeah. a sadistic shit. No, he, he brings it every time. Every time. Do you ever see The Escapist? Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. I love The Escapist. <laughs> I, I love all of those. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. There's a host of other performers, including Leslie Bibb, the whore news reporter that Tony Stark sleeps with in the first Iron Man film. But the real star of the film is Sam, the little burlap sack-wearing demon of Halloween who punishes those he believes are not respecting the holiday. And he's since become kind of a horror cult icon, even having his own, like, bit at Universal Orlando's uh, yeah. Halloween nights. So that's pretty cool. This guy created a modern horror icon. Yeah, for sure. Right on. You remember forever. Trick or Treat regrettably never received a theatrical release, ah. instead debuting straight to DVD. Despite this, it was critically acclaimed, garnering an IMDb score of 68 and a Rotten Tomato score of 84%. There's been a sequel in the works since 2013, but nothing has come of that. It's stuck in production hell. Trick or Treat has since gathered a significant cult following in the horror community, and it is for them that we dive into this film. Yes. Caleb, this one's for you. Let's talk the plot. Sounds good. I really think this uh, movie... I think this movie could have done really well like, in, oh, the yeah. in theaters now. This would have been a big success. <clears throat> yeah. With the way the way that horror is like risen, it was ahead of its time. 
Well, like, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of a, that uh, film that came out early in the summer. Um, Scary Stories kind of has that yeah. anthology type. Very much so. Type feel to it, so. Mm-hmm. Cool. Really, really fun stuff. Makes it very entertaining and constantly keeps you on your toes. The film takes place over the course of one Halloween night in the fictional town of Warren Valley, Ohio. Various characters bump into each other throughout the movie. And Sam is the connector. He's a trick-or-treater dressed in pajamas and a burlap sack who is there to enforce the unwritten rules of Halloween. In the opening scene, we meet Emma and her husband, Henry, played by uh, Tamo Peniket, who Supernatural fans may remember as the Angel Gadriel in Season 9 of Supernatural. There you go. And uh, I think 9. Yeah, 9. There's 15 of them, so excuse me if I got that wrong. they run together, (laughs) yeah. Henry... uh, it wants to get, you know, he wants to get busy, but Emma wants to just say, you know, fuck Halloween, we're done, and starts taking down the decorations. And you don't do that before Halloween's over. That's yeah. a big no-no for Sam. So Sam <laughs> murders her with a, like a cut-up uh, lollipop, like a razor-sharp lollipop. <laughs> and Henry finds her body on display in the decorations, which have all been put back. Yes. It's a great opener. Very creepy. Especially since I've never liked Leslie Bibb. Yeah, me neither. Not, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not a fan, but I don't know. She's... <laughs> ah, something about her. Neither here or there. I guess, yeah. Whatever. Then we meet Charlie, Thurman Merman, who starts smashing jack-o'-lanterns and is caught and lectured by Principal Stephen Wilkins about how Halloween must be respected. And he just... He sits him down and he's like... Starts, you know, picks up a knife. He's like, oh, don't worry. It's not for you. It's for the, for the pumpkin. <laughs> Mine got dull. It's such a... You know something's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's creepy, but it's done so well. And Charlie starts eating candy, and then he starts vomiting the poison candy that Wilkins has spiked with cyanide. It's disgusting. <laughs> On his front fucking porch. Like, this guy's so arrogant. It's hilarious. Projectile vomiting. It is disgusting to it is gross. watch. When he starts dragging the body in, and he starts vomiting <laughs> on his shirt, he's like, ah, Like, <laughs> getting grossed out. It's great. <laughs> Wilkins tries to go bury Charlie in the backyard, but is interrupted by his son, Billy, who wants help with his jack-o'-lantern, and Mr. Krieg, the neighbor, who is just kind of a shit. <laughs> He's got a dog who keeps barking at Wilkins to shut up. The dog throws a finger over the over the fence. <laughs> so great. What a great bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's gross. So, you know, Krieg is like, what the hell's going out there? Wilkins smells horrible. What are you doing out there? Digging bodies? And he's like, ah, ah yeah. <laughs> you should go back inside. Yeah, uh, you, you got me. Uh. <laughs> Classic. Happy Halloween. Screw you. I love that. <laughs> so he he digs. He actually he starts beating the body to death because the body's not dead yet. It's really fucking sick. It, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's played for laughs. Extremely evil. in such a smart way. Like you like you don't know why, but you like Wilkins, <laughs> or at least I did. I yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's a horrible person, but he's making me laugh. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, he's like kicking the head, like shop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. It's, that's a that's a really funny bit. So Wilkins goes to help uh, his son Billy with the uh, jack o' lantern, and the camera pans out, and the fucking jack o' lantern is Charlie's head. <laughs> the kid's crazy too. He's in on this. And <laughs> I don't think Sam ever fucks with this guy. No. This guy gets his own different kind of comeuppance. But 
I think Sam's just like watching for, you know, like, wow, this guy's awesome. <laughs> I wish I did something like that. <laughs> He's taking notes. This guy is badass. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, then we meet a group of trick-or-treaters. Macy, Sarah, Chip, and Schrader. All fucking horrible people. Douchebags. Who pick up Rhonda, a Halloween fanatic who is a... Uh, remember, she's a savant. She's got some mental um, instability. She carved a shit ton of jack-o'-lanterns, and these kids are grabbing jack-o'-lanterns across the neighborhood for some reason. And they take Rhonda out to a quarry where Macy, queen bitch... Recalls the urban legend, ur, uh, urban legend of the Halloween school bus massacre, which was such a dark story. Eight mentally challenged children were driven off a cliff into the quarry on Halloween night because the driver had been paid by their tired parents to dispose of them, and he was the only survivor of the crash. What the fuck? How do you think up something like that? I don't know. Jesus. A bunch of parents being like, we can't handle this anymore, so fucking kill us. Like, kill, kill our kids. Brutally dark. Maybe maybe it's better that not a lot of people have seen this. Yeah. I can see why. You think that might be part of why this never got a theatrical release? <laughs> the studios were like, we're not fucking greenlighting <laughs> that. This is a little too dark, guys. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So the group is there to offer a tribute of eight jack-o'-lanterns to the children. And they go down the elevator into the quarry. And Rhonda goes last with the pumpkins, and when she gets there, there's nobody else there. And she's like, what's going on here? This is creepy. And then zombies come out of nowhere and attack Rhonda, and she gets terrified. But then, you know, it's revealed that the zombies are the kids. They're there to fuck with Rhonda. This whole thing was a prank just to hurt her feelings, because these are bad people. And she's, you know, she's hurt. She's devastated. She thought they liked her. Yeah, she should be. She didn't have any friends. And Macy gets annoyed when uh, Schrader shows her a little compassion, kicks one of the jack-o'-lanterns in the lake, causing the dead children to actually show up. The undead have arrived, and they start attacking the group, and Rhonda doesn't believe them when they ask, you know, she gets in the elevator first and locks the door, and they're screaming, you know, help us! But she thinks they're fucking with them. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. So she leaves them to die. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so great. Oh my gosh! I was cheering at this one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such a fun. Fuck you, kids. You, you, you can like, you can, you can like react while this movie's going on. You know. Oh yeah, That's, for sure. It's so much fun. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, and then on her way out, she runs into Sam, and Sam again is just like, props. All right. He's just kind of checking stuff out. On Halloween, he only ever attacks two people. <laughs> he's more just—he's more just like it's a good town. A lot of fucked up people in this town. Yeah, I like this town. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm coming back here next year. <laughs> then we meet Lori, a self-conscious virgin young woman, uh, is going to uh, hang out with her sister Danielle and her friends Maria and Janet. They're looking to pick up dates, and Lori didn't have a date. She wants her first time to be special. And decides not to go to their get-together, but to enjoy the town festival, the town Halloween festival. And you see this guy, this hooded predator, bite a woman. Yes. Like, he's supposed to be a vampire. And uh, that's kind of crazy. So at a bonfire, uh, Lori decides to... Or uh, Sorry, I, I skipped ahead. Lori sees that vampire, and he supposedly attacks her. 
So we go to the bonfire where everyone's hanging out, and Lori's friends witness that guy fall out of a tree, like, beaten. And you're like, what is going on here? And they unmask him, and it's fucking Wilkins. <laughs> He's the vampire. Oh, man. That, that got me... That got me... Uh, that raised this movie to a different level for me when, that, when I saw that. I was like, oh, dude. He's back, that creepy fucker. And then Marilyn Manson's version of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This pops in, and you know shit's going to get nuclear in a horror movie when that song starts kicking in. That's become like a horror staple almost, the amount of movies that's appeared in. It's wonderful. And that's when Lori shows up and reveals that their first time, or her first time is becoming a werewolf. <laughs> they transform into werewolves and they eat Wilkins and they eat all of their dates. And Sam, of course, is off to the side watching it, this unfold. It's disgusting. Like, when they're pulling their skin. Oh, it's brilliant. It's so disgusting. Such a freaky Ugh. transformation You can't scene. look away. You're like, oh, Ugh. I don't know. It's, it's, pretty cra- it's pretty crazy. It's frightening. It's so yeah. cool, though. <laughs> and I love that Sam's just like, this is... I've, I feel like we are watching him watch the movie. Yes, yes. Where he's just like, this is uh, a fucking crazy town. Uh, this is awesome. Werewolves. What's going on? <laughs> love it. He's the horror community. Yes, yeah, good point. Because <laughs> he is, you know, he gets insulted when people don't respect Halloween and his traditions. Just exactly. like the horror community exactly. is constantly, you know, pissed when people don't respect the genre. or the. And I totally get that. It's brilliant. Yeah. I totally oh, we're, get why. We're like, a part of that community. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be doing a film like this. So, around the, uh, we go a bit of a flashback to when Wilkins was uh, trying to bury Charlie. We see Krieg, Brian Cox, is... <laughs> Scaring away kids to steal their candy. What an asshole. And uh, Sam does not like this. Sam does not abide stealing of candy. Oh, no. So he breaks into into Krieg's house, decorates it with Halloween memorabilia, writes trick-or-treat all over his uh, bedroom walls, and it's so great. There's so many references to so many horror films. Yeah, if you pause it right there, you can read a ton of shit. When when, uh, Sam reaches out from under the bed, slices his Achilles tendon, Pet Cemetery. Classic, yeah. Yeah. uh, Krieg says the line, you've got to be fucking kidding me. When Sam's hand starts moving around, that's the thing. Brilliant. So cool. cool. That's definitely my favorite part of the movie is when Cox comes up and he's just, yeah, he again... Oh yeah, so this movie kind of just keeps elevating as it goes. Yeah, classic horror style. It's great. great. Yeah, Sam uh, gets unmasked in this fight when Krieg pulls out a fucking double barrel. Yeah, I would say that's an Evil Dead reference, personally. Most likely. Yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. Grab the boomstick when you're taking out the Evil mm-hmm. Dead, mm-hmm. and it turns out under the burlap is like a fucking pumpkin-headed kid, like a friggin' pumpkin Chucky. And it's like it keeps coming back, you know, into, like growing its pieces back, putting itself back together to attack Creed. And it's so funny because it like it, what did it do to him? It uh, he got it broke all the glass in his house yes, and like, yeah. he got covered in glass. And he ends up like just it breaks his hand and he's you think it's gonna kill him, but then he just takes a candy bar. <laughs> and Cox is just uh, like, did I was that all real or? Yeah. Well, I love it. Like, it takes the candy bar. Like, it's an offering to to Samhain, to Sam Hain. And Sam leaves. <laughs> and Krieg's just like... He puts his arm in his sling, wraps his head up, and is just like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And he starts handing out candy like a respectable member oh, of society. Yeah, huge, yeah, huge handfuls <laughs> of candy to each kid. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> the, little, the little kids are looking at him like, 
Why are you giving me so much? <laughs> and he's afraid to yeah. like even touch it. It's great. And as you know, Sam leaves, we see photographs in the fireplace reveal that Krieg was the bus driver who killed all those kids. Yes. Ugh. That's why he hates Halloween. Maybe. It doesn't seem like he's guilty about anything. No, no, yeah. There's not a lot of uh, development there. <laughs> no, he's just a shit. It's this, this right here is the Halloween version of a Christmas story. Not a Christmas story, a Christmas carol. I was about to say carol, yeah, yeah. You know, Sam is the ghost of Halloween, past, present, future, and he's going to fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you don't respect. Love it. So after Krieg starts giving out candy, he witnesses uh, Rhonda pulling her pumpkin cart along. He sees, uh, uh, he sees Billy. Who was Billy again? Can edit that out. I don't remember Billy. Well. Hold on. Yeah, who's Billy? Well, I'm going to go ahead and cut that part out. We're going to edit this, yes. Uh, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. Billy is a uh, Wilkins oh, kid. Con- yeah, Wilkins okay, kid. okay, 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 okay. Oh, Carl Evans. Yeah, that was yeah, bothering yeah. us. Okay. So, Billy's handing out treats to kids, enjoying his night. Basically, all the characters are in the same scene, just kind of enjoying Halloween. Lori gets dropped off by her sister, and Sam sees Emma and Henry coming home, the couple at the beginning. And that's when he decides to go take them out after he sees Emma blow out a jack-o'-lantern before Halloween is over. (laughs) Awesome. Fantastic stuff. He goes over there. There's a knock on the door. Krieg opens it, and it's the undead kids from the school bus. Of course. And they're going to tear him apart. Oh, man. Gotta love that full circle. The movie is very, it's ironic, it's poetic, and it's very smart. Yeah, for like an hour and 20 minutes. It just, yeah. Yeah, it just keeps, you gotta keep up with it. It's awesome. Oh, absolutely. It's very, very fun pace. So that's the plot of Trick or Treat. Solid flick, deserves a lot more attention, and uh, our contributor, Caleb Leger, adores this movie, and he would like to share his thoughts. So without further ado, here are Caleb Leger's thoughts on Trick or Treat. There are three films in my current rotation of Halloween favorites I must watch every year. Halloween, Hocus Pocus, and Trick or Treat. A film which has pulled, which was pulled from its theatrical release for unexplained reasons to this day, and instead was released straight to video. A move that is considered criminal by many in regards to this film, as it would go on to become a massive success and a holiday staple. I can still remember renting this from the video store and being totally unprepared for the wild ride that the now iconic character Sam would take me on. Which, if you take away the murdering he does from time to time, is probably one of the most adorable mascots we have in horror today. Okay, where to begin with this wonderful holiday classic? I think I'll start with its unique structure to the anthology format. Most movies of these types will have an overarching story mixed with the various short stories being told, something the audience can go back to and follow along. If you're looking for great examples of this type of anthology format, check out Creepshow and the VHS series. Trick or Treat, instead, goes in a completely different route. The story takes place over the course of one Halloween night and will jump between the various storylines happening. And to further help the audience from getting too confused with the chronology of events, the film will place the characters from one story in the background of another, again helping the audience keep up with the flow. Speaking of anthology, this is the rare film for me where every story is good and there is no weak link for me. I agree. That's fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other big thing for me about this movie is the Halloween spirit. I'm a massive horror fan. You just have to look at my tattoos and t-shirts alone to know that. Halloween is my Christmas. 
Admittedly, though, there's not very many horror films which take place during The Amazing Holiday, much less embody the spirit. Trick or Treat does, though. The movie bleeds Halloween. The iconic character I mentioned earlier, Sam, literally punishes people for disobeying the rules and traditions associated with the holiday. Which brings me to the last main thing I love about this movie, Sam. If I could have this character with me in real life and not worry about him murdering me, I would. <laughs> I'm not alone either, as he's become an icon of the genre and now pops up everywhere. Those are just the main things I love about this film. I could go on about the stellar casting and humor as well. Trick or Treat is now one of my all-time favorite horror films. It completely embodies the spirit of the holiday and gave us a new genre icon. It is a part of my annual rotation, and I never get tired of watching it. Michael Doherty announced a sequel a couple of years back. Now that he's done with Godzilla, I'm hoping the long-awaited sequel is up next. If not, we'll have this timeless holiday favorite to continue watching for years to come. Happy Halloween, and remember, follow the rules, or Sam will get you. 10 out of 10. Wow. Props. Caleb adores this movie. And, you know, of course. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) We have a 10. He's probably been looking forward to this episode for a long, long time. I hope we did it justice, buddy. Yeah, it's a very, it's a fantastic, fantastic, uh, I I love that he pointed out, there's no weakness. uh, There isn't. And and a lot of times in an anthology, uh, that will happen. Yeah. There's always like a definitive, like, ah, that's like the lull. Here, they're, they're, and I think it's because There's of no the unique way they do the anthology, where it's just kind of an interwoven story of various yeah. characters. Yeah. It's not segments. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like an ongoing narrative, like a complete narrative. Yeah. No, it's great. Very cool. Very cool. So, here's some film guys and facts. I've only got three for you, as the trivia on this one is very light. Number one, the look of Brian Cox's character is based on John Carpenter, director of Halloween and The Thing, among others. Pretty sweet. And you know he does kind of look like Carpenter. In that. Yeah. His hair yeah. and everything. Cool. Number two, Anna Paquin's character, Lori, is named after Lori Strode from the 1978 film Halloween. Number three, the film had many title changes before filming began. Originally titled Season's Greetings, which was also the name of the short film upon which it was based, this was changed because it sounded too much like a Christmas film. And I agree. Yeah. Then it was called Halloween Terrors. Jack-O-Lantern Tales, October the 31st, and Trick or Treat. The final title was kept, but since there was already a movie of the same name out, they changed the spelling to Trick, apostrophe R, Treat. And it's not like they could call it Halloween. I mean, you know, this that would be obviously the perfect title for this, but yeah, you can't yeah. exactly do that. No. <laughs> no, I, I, like, I like the Trick or Treat. It's good. Yeah. And you know what? I give Trick or Treat a solid 8. Uh, same. I give it an 8 as well. Yeah. So, Fun anthology fl- flick that is ripe for Halloween rewatches. For sure. Definitely yes. going to be added into my rotation. For sure. Steady. Yeah, steady going to be in my rotation from here on out. Yeah. Wonderful. So, now that we got that done, why don't you tell us about this week's bonus? What are we doing Friday? Oh, boy. Friday, we're going to travel down to 1993 for Hocus Pocus. All right. Disney classic. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Got a Hocus Pocus bonus. Right on. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait. So what happened this week in film? Let's take a look. Len Wiseman is going to be directing a female-driven John Wick spinoff titled Ballerina, which will be focusing on Angelica Houston's tribe of assassin ballerinas, which I would totally be cool with if it wasn't Len Wiseman. Because, I don't know. I just, I don't think the guy's that good. I don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. 
Next up, uh, Billy Porter is being eyed to voice Audrey 2 in the upcoming remake of Little Shop of Horrors. Hell yeah. I'm not really familiar with Billy Porter. Do you know? What, yeah, what do yeah. You know about I'm Billy a big, Porter? big, big fan. I, he, he's in the show Pose. He just won the Emmy. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, a big fan of that show. That's uh, he's he's a terrific actor. So Sweet. that's cool. And you know, Little Shop of Horrors is like a very fun movie from my childhood. So. Well, I really want I wanted Audrey Two to be somebody with a powerful voice. Oh, he is. Oh boy. So, yeah. Good. All right. Good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I'm a huge fan of Little Shop of Horrors too. So Me I really too, want man. that to be good. Me too. Next up, the trailers for Jungle Cruise and Doolittle were released, and both of them look really bad. <laughs> I just... No comment. I don't care. Like, why would... This is Robert Downey Jr.'s follow-up to Avengers Endgame. Fucking Doolittle. <laughs> and it looks so bad. It looks so dumb. It's Sherlock Holmes talks to animals. I don't... Who wants to see that? And it's coming out in January. Like, I don't know. I it's don't the know. blockbuster dumping ground. And Jungle Cruise... Is no better. It's Disney doing the African Queen. It's yeah with the Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Throw the Rock in there, of course, and everything. Of course, why not? And it's ugh. it's only his thirteenth film of the past two years. It's okay. <laughs> and this is you know based on the Disney Disney World ride Jungle Cruise, which I guess we can't give too much shit for because the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise was a massive hit. So. But yeah. then again, Tomorrowland was a bomb. So. Yeah, but th- those were like PG-13 pirate movies with Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, that's a really good formula for something that's going to be good. So, I don't know. Oh my god. Alright. What's going on? Um, so, my mom and my, uh, my grandma and a couple of my other family members are currently at a concert to watch Hugh Jackman. Oh, wow. Live in... Oh, yeah. yeah. He's doing like Greatest Showman stuff? They just got upgraded to the front row. Oh, that's so great. So, they're right in front of the stage. Oh, boy, so he will be right in front of them. That is so cool. Good old Hugh. Enjoy the show. Yeah. <laughs> this is the greatest show. Oh, he's going to be doing the whole goddamn soundtrack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, what else is he going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Some kind of Wolverine song. Just do of... a couple bits from, like, yes. <laughs> from, maybe maybe you could get dressed up in the uh, chappy bit. In the, oh, my in, God. In the chappy uniform. And... Ugh. That movie is so bad. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. That would be fun, though. That's great. Yeah, I'm happy for them. Hugh, legend. So, yeah, Doolittle, Jungle Cruise, I think they're both going to bomb, and I probably am not going to see either one. Oh, no. Ever. I <laughs> When When would, yeah, I don't know when that would come up. No. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm going to sit back and watch Doolittle <laughs> with a post-Tony Stark Robert Downey Jr. Ugh. who said he wanted out because he wanted to do bigger things. I don't know if this is bigger, <laughs> buddy. Oh, boy. I thought he meant he was going to be like a serious actor, like do like stuff he was doing like Tony Stark or you know like Zodiac or I but no no it's gonna go the other way yeah as if as if you needed a, a like a paycheck he doesn't need it like, he does not need what money what are you doing dude what you, in a kids movie in Doolittle like why I, it's really frustrating because I really want to like really like him but I when you do stuff like that that's 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 frustrating it's extremely frustrating yeah and like you said yeah Jungle Cruise yeah neither <laughs> not any better anyway uh next up the next three are all casting and characters. Neil Patrick Harris has joined the Matrix 4. Alright. Very random. I also really want to like that movie, but, but other than the Matrix, the Wachowski's track record fucking sucks. Yes. That so, is true. This is very much just that we need to get a career back. Let's do Matrix 4. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt Keanu's going to be great. I don't know why. I mean, 
him and Trinity are both back, but you know they both died. So I'm wondering uh, what Neil Patrick. Doing. So yeah, it's only a matter of time before Larry Fish signs on to that. And yeah, Matrix Four. Zoe Kravitz has been cast as Catwoman in 2021's The Batman alongside Robert Pattinson, and I think that's going to be great. I'm very excited about that movie. Agreed. I ah uh, man, I'm amped. Cannot wait for that one. So psyched. Especially after what we just saw with Joker. Yeah. Very much. We're hoping for the best. And then um, the character of Shriek is going to be appearing in 2020's Venom 2 alongside Woody Harrelson's Carnage. He's going to be kind of a freaky love interest. Ah, man. And I don't don't know a lot about Shriek. Neither do I, but... You you and I are two of the people who actually liked Venom. Yeah, I'm I'm actually quite excited because I'm I'm interested to see a character I don't know much about. Me too. I didn't know who the hell Riot was either. No, but I, I enjoyed that movie. I know I I know Riot as uh, Rob McElhaney and um, it's always funny because he always wears the shirt that just says Riot. <laughs> so whenever I hear that word, I just think of him. <laughs> Ocular pat down. <laughs> Cultivating mass. Fucking love it. Fight milk. I can watch that show all day, every day. And finally, and I know you have a lot you wanted to say here, Oscar nominee Robert Forster has died of brain cancer at age 78. On the day that El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, was released on Netflix, that'll be his final performance. He was nominated for his role in 1997's Jackie Brown. And aside from that, Forster was a highly accomplished character actor, and he will certainly be missed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, you know know me, Max Cherry is... My favorite Tarantino uh, character of all time. He happens to be... It's really weird. He happens to be two of my... And I know this, because like, I've, I've like thought about it. Two of my favorite five TV shows ever. Breaking Bad and Twin Peaks. <laughs> and then he's in two of my favorite ten films of all time, which would be uh, you know, Jackie Brown and uh, Mulholland Drive. Just really kind of odd that I, I have like a connection to him just through my favorite things, and he just happens to be in them. And he's always really, really fucking good. Uh... I think uh, another performance I would like to shed some light on is The Descendants. Uh, he just lights out. He just he, he's he's the definition of like a, a supporting actor, a character actor, a guy who can come in and prove why you need talent for those small roles, why you need someone who you know gives gives a pop whenever even if they're on the screen for five minutes. You know he's that kind of a guy, and uh, he will he'll be missed dearly. Uh, but you know, I think he's the best part of that. I thought he was the best part of El Camino. Yeah, I thought he really got Aaron Paul like out of his fucking skin for five minutes, and uh, that's a really cool thing to to leave. You know, that's he left that behind, and uh, a giant, massive uh, catalog of films he's been in. So he he will be missed for sure, especially by filmgasm. So yes, he will. Rest in peace, Robert Forster. For sure. Thank you so much for what you did for film. Yes, oh man, yeah, it goes without being. Yeah, it's. <laughs> The list goes on of movies he's been in. It's incredible. His, his IMDb page, I think it's like 100, over 150. Just the man's been working for since the 60s. So, yeah, definitely. I, I encourage everyone to go out and you know try to watch some stuff of his and remember a, a great man and a great actor. So, we salute you. That's all for this week, listeners. Stay tuned next week for the one that horror fans have been waiting for all month. 1978. John Carpenter. Jamie Lee Curtis. The Boogeyman. Next week, Filmgasm is tackling the original all-time classic, Halloween. Michael Myers escapes from the insane asylum on Halloween night and goes on a killing spree, and only Dr. Sam Loomis can stop him. Filmgasm is going to Haddonfield, and we couldn't be more excited. 
Oh, man. I, I can't believe we have this opportunity. <laughs> so psyched. <laughs> to talk about possibly John Carpenter's masterpiece. Oof. My God. One of the one of the most iconic slasher, iconic horror movies, just everything. It just says, fuck you, I'm just an awesome movie. It's just, oh, I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. Please, everybody, just watch the shit out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for and we're, sure. we're going to dive into it real deep next week. We're going to focus primarily on just the first film, because there is a shit ton of Halloween movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we will mention it, all the sequels, the of remakes, course. but future Halloween films are going to get their own episodes, yeah. some of them. We just feel it's right for the first October of Filmgasm being underway as a podcast. It's only right to do the, the original, yeah, the OG Halloween. For so sure. We, we can't wait next week. Until then, respect Halloween and always, always check your candy. <laughs>